0: Hello, welcome, to truck stop murder and true crime podcast. I am your host Gary Howard. Hopefully, everybody's doing well. If first of all, if you're a return listener, thank you for coming back. If you're a new listener, let me tell you what I do. I'm a truck driver. I travel to 48 states, continental states, and people. So it's 50 states. I don't travel Alaska and Hawaii. But the forty-eight remaining states I do travel and during the time I have to stay at truck stops and do a ten hour break every day. And on this podcast, I'll talk about the truck stop and I'll talk about what's to eat there, what's around it, different amenities that it has, and also what some of the truck drivers and people think of this truck stop. So it's been a while since I put out the episode, is because I started a new job. Well, I'm still truck driving, but I'm no longer with Prima. I am currently with prime i decided to go ahead and lease a truck and try to become a business owner owner and eventually they do have a program called ace where you could buy your own truck and then if you know people know people who can you know drives trucks as well drives trucks as well you could put them in a the truck and before you know it, you have your little fleet inside prime they also if you are interested in becoming a truck driver they actually have a school there that you could go to now, I don't know the time frame, but I know you hit about five months, five to six months for school and training and everything like that. And then they put you a new truck. Now the only commitment you need is one year. Now I don't know when that one year starts. If it's when you become but really one year is not that bad, and then you can become a lease operator, go with ace if you have fourteen thousand. The way lease is is with this company is you no credit check, no money down, but then you just Constantly swapping, going through trucks. At least now, if you do ACE, then eventually after three or four years, that truck will be yours. No credit check, but you need twelve thousand, I think, down payment. But enough of that. But there you go. If you do decide to do that, just Gary Howard recommended you. Well, let's talk about the truck stop I stayed at. It's Flying J number eight eighty nine. It is in Mount Vernon. Let me see. I don't know why I don't have the exit number on here. It's 210 parking spots. Right now, diesel is 423. If you want to know the address of the place, it's 101 South 45th Street, Mount Vernon, Illinois. So, but it's like right there by i sixty four fifty seven where they meet. All you got to do is look for the Freightliner dealership, or if this is your thing, just look for the dispensary. Rise dispensary, I think it is. They're all right there. Now, this place usually has a lot of parking. Don't have much parking in the main parking lot, but it does have a paid parking. It used to be free, but they changed it to paid. But it's like 10 15 I think it was $15 to stay there. But it's always parking there. Also, there's also a Walmart within walking distance right in the back right there. I say they're like connecting, bordering the dispensary. They can have that. All right. It has a 4.0 rating out of 789 reviews as of five hours ago the lot is full so has 200 free spots now this is wrong because they have way more than 10 paid spots see they had a different section in the back that was free but they had changed it to pay and i think that's ten dollars i want to say it's ten dollars but the app says 15 so maybe that's what it that says ten dollars Overnight parking. They have seven showers, scales, and all that good stuff that Flying J has. So, if you're traveling through there, what is there to eat? Where if you're hungry, there's actually a lot of stuff to be there to eat within walking distance. You have the Chili's Bar and Grill right there. Now I'm going to try to stay within a quarter mile. Freddie's Frozen Custards and uh, Custards and Steak Burgers. Double Overtime Grill course the restaurant stuff. it's it says flying j but it's actually huck's travel center if you go to travel truck, truckers path chili's burger king walmart super center right there like i said chili's burger king walmart super center freddy's i said that circle k jimmy john's country pride restaurant arby's popeyes louisiana chicken you have a pilot across the street that also has food one of these days i will cover that because i do have some more you know, cases that i want to do around mount vernon but yeah you have your option cracker barrel right there applebee's bar and grill denny's j and j sports bar and Grill, sonic so yeah there is you you do have options of what to eat it's not one thing like a lot of truck stops you go to the, well i've been to like the smaller ones they might have just the regular dining the truck stop food but yeah so let's see what people think about this truck stop this guy says five star he says one of the nice flying jay oh by the way they're doing construction on it seems like they've been doing it forever so the around a few pumps and everything making it better for us i guess he said okay one of the f- nice flying jays this place is called hucks but they have flying j pumps except reward points for showers and staff stuff Clean inside and out. Great restrooms. Super deli and food options inside Walmart next door. So there you go. Let's find a four-star review. Front lot is always a cluster, F-f-f-f-f-f-f-f-f, which it is. The rear lot is now twelve dollars for twenty-four hours. There you go. I was wrong on both of them. It was twelve, which is not too bad if you want to run out your clock and you want guaranteed parking. You will have parking there. I guarantee it. I've never seen, once they made it paid parking, I haven't seen it filled up. And if you want truck drivers, I don't want to pay for parking. I'll just park on the on-pass. What well, you you do, be you. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and invest the 12 to make have a secure parking spot. Okay. Eight minutes walks to Fujimama, Japanese steakhouse, Fuji-ma, Fujiyama, Fujiya. I didn't add that on but there you go if you want some japanese steakhouse this place is that's a five-star rating must stop at it oh here we go the two star all that work on the pumps and lot but it's still a hot mess now as i'm gonna read these as they're so if, if it's not making sense it's not to me It's these people Parking is paid 24 t- three star review. Parking is paid 24 times 12 hours is very expensive. I don't think so. I, I don't, I, I've never seen a flying J or probably charge that much. Now, if he would, if that was a TA or a Petro, I'd be like, yep, yep, mm hmm. Not flying three star review. Baba Goli says it's not flying J anymore. No automated, automated showers. I think I'm saying that right. AU t-o-m-a-t-e-d automated showers does he walk in and they wash himself for him okay one last review anonymous user with the one star coming in hot the truck stop looks nice on the inside but the people who work here feel like they're homeless and they have the ghetto attitude to boot bad customer service slow eating behind the counter slow eating behind the counter okay get him. best little carrying on you know slow eating behind the counter eating behind the counter carrying on conversations behind the counter when they're supposed to be serving you they're also the black dude with bleach skin there who wears a backwards golf cap who walks around like he owns a place and walks right in front of you like you don't exist now i don't know what this guy's doing i've always had friendly staff there so this guy is clearly wrong. And as for that one guy with the bleached skin, I've never seen him there. But anyhow, on to the case. Today we are talking about the murder of Jaina. Let's get her name. All right. Today we'll be talking about the murder of Jaina Reynolds. Now, not me, kind of weird from the truck stop to now. I actually recorded the truck stop part April 1st. And since starting this new job, I have been very busy. And they do like to send a lot of messages. So a lot of interruptions and whatnot. And this is my third take recording this. So let's see if I could do it right now. But yeah, this case happened in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Like I said, with a truck stop. And we're talking about Jane L. Reynolds. She was a nurse. She was studying to become a nurse, a practicing registered nurse. And her husband worked at a printing factory, I believe. But the background is Jana was a nursing student who lived with her husband, Jeff Reynolds, in Mount Vernon, Illinois. On the night of May 5th, 1988, Jeff worked the evening shift that began at 11 p.m. He left for work approximately 10.45 that evening and Jana was home alone after he left for work. Jeff's shift ended at 7 a.m. the next morning when he returned after where he noticed that Jenna's car was still in the carport, which he felt was unusual, and that when he noticed the door was leading into the house from the carport, it was all busted open. Jeff stepped in the house and called out for Jenna, and what he came across what well, he was not expecting it at all, he walked into the bedroom and discovered Jenna's body laying on the bed, saturated with blood. After touching her chest, her chest, he ran out of the house screaming, Officers Vladichek V, I'm going to call him V, his, you spell it V-L-A-D-E-T-I-C-H, of Mount Fern Police Department, was dispatched to the Reynolds' home that morning. When he arrived, he also noticed that the door leading from the carport into the kitchen had been forced open. The door's locks were damaged, and the door's facing had been torn off. Inside the bedroom, Officer V found Jana's body laying on her bed. It in a massive pool let me read that again inside the bedroom officer v found jana's body lying on her bed in a massive pool blood after paramedics confirmed jana's death he secured the, the crime scene inside the house jana's body lay on the her back at an angle kind of corner corner on top of her bed her thermal bottoms the underwear had been pulled off one leg and hung around the ankle on the other leg her top had been pulled up to her chest. She had multiple stab wounds to her abdomen, chest, and hip, and her throat and wrist were slashed. One stab wound in Jenna's chest penetrated her heart. In the living room, the contents of Jenna's purse were dumped onto the floor. The investigators sent Jenna's clothes, and sheets to Illinois' police crime lab. The crime lab found hair fragments, but they did not belong to Jenna or Jeff. First, the investigators focused on several individuals, including the, this person that we're going to talk about, Joe Tucker, and a person named Albert McDaniel, McDaniels. Of course, her husband was verified that he was at work all the time, so solid alibi, so it wasn't him. McDaniels voluntarily gave in because it's the first person they always look at the husband, the spouse, or whatever, then people they know, but rarely strangers. But in this case, they knew some strangers. But yeah, McDaniels, this guy, Albert McDaniels. McDaniels voluntarily gave investigators hair strands, blood and saliva samples, and his clothing. And these items were sent to the crime lab. Investigators interviewed McDaniels, and he made it being in the area of Jenna's house and looking in her window on the night she was murdered. McDaniels told investigators that he was in the area for a proposed robbing of a nearby drug house. He told investigators that he had a conversation with someone he called TC, which I says Joe Tucker, who said he was going to the Jenna's house to have sex with her. McDaniel said that he left the area before TC entered Jenna's house. In May 1988, the crime lab determined that the hairs found on Jenna's clothes and bed sheets were not McDaniel's hair. The investigators were unable to find any physical evidence linking McDaniels to the inside of Jana's house and other evidence that indicated that he was involved in Jana's death. At the time, the investigators also had hair samples taken from the defendant's head, Joe's head. I'm going to call him through this as defendant, because the the copy and paste I put defendant, so just make it easy flowing for me. The defendant's head along, because he will be, or Joe's head, along with samples from other suspects, the hair fragments found—I think I just gave it away. Who? Well, shit. Yeah, but there's more to it than that. Just the how he was busted—it's just crazy. The hair fragments found in the crime scene did not match the hair sh- standard from the defendant's head. The French science, forensic scientist, science? who scientist who examined the hair, however, explained. This result could not exclude Joe as a suspect, so we're keeping an eye on him. He testified that the hair fragments from different body parts are different in appearance, that he could determine which part of the body the crime scene of the hair fragments came from, because they were too small, and he only had the defendant's hair stranded standard standard for a comparison. The scientists did not have any hair standards from other parts of the defendant's body for comparison. The scientists could only conclude that the crime scene hair fragments did not come from this person's head. So, in September 1988, a person found a wallet that contained Jenna's identification laying in a burn pile in the wooded area of Mount Vernon. By December 1988, investigators had filed more than 300 leads the investigation continued in many years without being resolved and jenna's murder as in the words of robin warner the trail went cold he does a podcast called the trail Went Cold," just like that and which if you want to see him you can see him and myself at uh, in austin on august 25th to 27th i believe that's the date i'll put a link in my notes to the true crime and paranormal podcast festival, will be myself right there, Trail and Code. You know, already gone podcast, and of course, Laney, true crime, she's the one hosting it all. Laney Hobbs, who hosts true crime cases with Laney, I think that's what it is. She used to be True Crime Fan Club, but she's changed it. But there are going to be other, a bunch of other podcasts there so. And on to the case, back to where we were at. August 2001, Detective Mc, McElroy of the Malvern Police Department began re-examining the physical evidence gathering during the investigation. He hoped that advances in forensic science, since the original investigation would turn up more leads, which, yeah, since 88, it has improved so much. The different things they can figure out who did just by touch DNA. If you touch something, they'll find you. They'll find the DNA and... Yet Detective McElroy and a team of detectives used the alternative light source to look for stains on thermal and gray underwear that Jenna was wearing on the night she was murdered. The technology was not available to Mount Vernon Police Department in 1988. The alternative light source tested revealed previously untested stains on Jenna's clothes. At the time, there was a backlog of testing at the illinois police lab in carbondale therefore detective mcelroy sent the clothes to a private dna laboratory cellmark for further testing the digital testing revealed that the stains of Jenna's clothes was seminal fluid stains the dna profile extracted from the stains did not match dna of jenna jeff or mcdaniel's so the dna test determined that the seminal fluid on Jenna's clothes was matching Joe's DNA. The defendant was then arrested for Jana's murder. And as like I said, Joe Tucker, I gave it away earlier, but once you find out why, how he got busted, it just, this guy was an idiot. In November 2002, the defendant was being held in Menard Correctional Center in Menard. The state's attorney received a letter from an inmate in Menard. Ready? Robin Getz g-e-c-h-t if you don't know who that is he was a member and i do believe ringleader of the ripper crew in chicago and they been around killing a bunch of women they're like a satanic cult i won't go too much into this but there's four of them just terrorizing chicago back in the, when when was this back in but yeah this, this is the perfect one but he was known to have um you know, helped other inmates about with the crimes, with their legal defense and everything like that. But this was this happened in the 80s, by the way. But yeah, this is the man who he sought legal advice from. Get stated that in his letter that... Well, I guess some people do go for Ted Bundy. I guess, how is this thing different? But it's just funny how it's connected. just is the guy. But it did not turn out good for Joe Tucker. Joe, oh, Joe. Get stated in his letter that he had informed... He had information about Jana's murder and that he had about Jana's murder. Detective McElroy interviewed him concerning this information. Detective McElroy obtained handwritten statements detailing Jana's murder and a floor plan of Jana's house, which Getch stated were written and drawn by Joe. A handwriting expert analyzed the documents that McElroy received from Getch along with a sample of the defendant's handwriting and confirmed that the defendant wrote the statements, that Joe wrote the statements. Yep, that's him. The state presented Getch's testimony at the defendant at his trial. He testified that he was not promised anything in return for his testimony, but that when he wrote the, the state's attorney concerning that Joe's handwriting statements, he wrote that he hoped that they could. Listen, he said he didn't want nothing, but he said he could hope work out some arrangements that would be helpful for all concerned. So yeah, he wanted something. Gatch testified at the trial when he discussed Jana's murder with the defendant, with Joe. The, and then Joe told him that he entered Jana's house with the intent of raping and brutalize, you know, burglarizing, burglar. Why can't I talk? Burglar. I think I'm getting Alzheimer's. Maybe <laughs> getting old. Can't read and that he killed her. Getz testified that he helped Joe construct a defense theory and that Joe's friend, McDaniels, killed Jenna, and he only observed. According to Getz, the defendant wrote three narratives that described how he committed the murder. Getz read the statements to the jury. I'm going to go re-over this. I know now there's going to be some, you know, horrible things that they wrote about but this is what some of the things there's like three statements so there's there are three different scenarios and i'm gonna let you know right now it's some sick disgusting things but here you go what he did to this poor woman and keep in mind he also asked them because he kept writing them but he kept telling them to write more be more detailed he really pulled it out of them according to get your first handwriting count joe wrote as follows outside came through door of now this is i'm gonna read it as it's stated outside came through door off of the kitchen went to the living room where she was on the couch took her to the bedroom had sex stabbed her after sex looked through the house and saw a black bag got the wallet out of it and left gets testified that the second handwriting statement the wrote that he parked his car two blocks away from away and walked to jenna's house he encountered mcdaniels who walked with him to the house mcdaniels looked into jenna's living room window and the defendant looked into the kitchen window so joe was joe saw jenna laying on the couch wearing gray shorts and a top he kicked in the kitchen door slapped her in the face tuck her to the bedroom put her on the bed he wrote that he pulled down her gray shorts and had sex with her he described Cutting Jenna's neck and wrist and stabbing her stabbing her in her stomach and heart, holding her down as he stabbed her with his knife. He wrote, After sex, got the wallet, out of the purse, left the house, walked back to way I, where I came from. Get told so the jury that the defendant, Joe, wrote the third handwriting statement as follows Early hours on May 6, 1988, so they get more descriptive. Early hours on May 6, 1988, I was driving down 22nd Street, going over to Tony Duncan's house on 22nd. I parked my car two blocks away, like I always do. I don't know why he did that. I mean, drugs, maybe? I don't know. As I, I mean, how many people, when they go to someone's house, they park two blocks away from the house and walk there? I guess maybe it was, I don't know. But it's Mount Vernon, so he probably couldn't went to the house, but sidetracked as i started walking over to tony's house i saw someone at the end of the street as i got closer someone said little joe this is albert daniels my cousin he's about five foot seven light skin, around 200 pounds as i came to him he asked me where i was going and i told him over to tony's house i asked him where he was going he said just walking around and he put his arms around my shoulder and we walked on we, as we got closer to Tony's house, he ran over to another side of a house. Another house. Looked in the window. He called me, called me over. I looked in. I looked in, and this girl was laying on the couch asleep. He said, "What an ass." He said, "Maybe we can get in and have sex with her, and look for some money or drugs." Uber said, "Go ahead. I'll stay here." This was about 11:45 p.m. I went into the side of the house at a door that was located at what was the carport. I pushed in the door and led to the kitchen past the bedroom. When I came up to her when I came up to her, I realized that I knew her from somewhere, knowing that this she was waking up, I pulled the pillow over her head, face, and started to fight and she started to fight, but never yelling. She got up, I got the pillow off as and uh I got the pillow off, as we fell to the floor in the living room. I then punched her a few times in the face, and she stopped fighting. I told her to get off the floor and get in the bedroom. She refused at the time, and I pulled out a knife that I had in my that I had with me, a pocket knife that was about six inches long, and held to her neck and said, "Move it." She then started walking towards the bedroom, located just off the kitchen area. Once in the bedroom, I threw her on the bed. I held a knife to her neck and pulled her top over her face and started taking off her panties. But she started to fight again, so I climbed on top of her neck and punched her in the face again. She said, don't hurt me. Then she just laid there and said nothing. I'm hoping maybe he'd just rape her and just leave. Maybe not, but... As you'll see, they, it didn't stop at just the rape. She was wearing a thermal bottom, gray pants. She was around five foot five tall, red colored hair. Sure had nice, small little titties and was red like in color. She had a lot of freckles on her body. As she lay there, I got undressed, pulled down her panties, down around her ankles, rubbed her. Mm hmm. A few times and her breasts and then i put my penis in her and had sex with her for about five minutes and then i was ready to come i pulled it out and it, she come down the sheets that's how they knew he was because he left the stains this sounds more about what happened soon after i started getting up and then stabbed her twice in the chest and a number of times in the adam's area she started moving around i stabbed her in the right hip area she stopped moving and i got off her I started looking around for cash while doing this i thought i heard her again moaning so i went back in the bedroom and cut her wrist to be sure she would die then i did that i leaned over her body I, then i went looking through the house for money i saw her purse i went in and took the wallet after taking the wallet i went back outdoors through the door i came guess face. so yeah this guy's a fucking monster but yeah, Getch testified that he told the defendant to rewrite the statement four times. And in one statement, the defendant wrote that McDaniels killed Jenna. So he has all kinds of crazy stories. And like I said, this guy, Getch, kept telling them, rewrite it, rewrite it to make it more detailed. At one point, told him diagram of the house, everything, to make sure that it was not just one of them rumor things, jail hostage rumors. It was his handwriting and everything. But yeah, the trial defense called mcdaniels to the witness he testified that he was at the time in the, the where he was he testified that he was at the time in custody of the department of corrections for armed robbery he remembered being in the vicinity of Jenna's house on the night he she was murdered because he was going to rob the house next door to jana's house mcdaniels testified that he as he passed jenna's house he saw jenna through the window and he thought she might have she might have seen him because he was cutting through her yard at that time he knew jenna slightly he testified that he discussed robbing a house next door with a person known as tc he testified that he falsely implied, implied to tc that he and jenna had an affair he advised tc that the best time to go in the house if he wanted to have sex with her it was between 11 p.m. and 7 a.m. While her husband was at work, he testified that he knew the def- knew Joe and that he might be his cousin by marriage. He was not sure, however, and knew that uh, Joe had the nickname of Lil Joe too. Lotra Tucker. He was unable to identify T.C. at the trial. Angel Trum, at C.H.R.U.M. Angel Trum testified that in May 1988, she was McDaniels' girlfriend. She knew that McDaniels shaved, but she didn't know if he shaved every bit of his hair off. A friend of McDaniels, Eddie Trum, testified that he had seen McDaniels with a shaved head back in 1988. From time to time, McDaniels had a mustache, and there were times that McDaniels shaved his arms, but he did not know... The dates detective Bigallorey testified that um in May Mar- in March 2002 Joe Tucker heard head looked like it had been shaved and was growing out Joe Tucker presented the testimony the were defendant presented the testimony of a crime scene expert who testified that he had reviewed the photographs of the crime scene he testified that he did not see any evidence in the photog- photographs of the crime scene that would that anyone rushed into the kitchen. He believed that the crime scene photographs indicated that no struggle occurred on Jenna's couch. On cross-examination, he admitted that the crime scene evidence indicated that the kitchen door to Reynolds' home had been forced open, and that Joe testified that he knew Jenna from working at Wendy's restaurant. So that's how he recognized him, restaurant at Mount Vernon in 1982 to 1983. He testified, He was a friend of Jenna's and that he had a sexual relationship between 83 and continued over the years until she was killed. The Joe defendant told jury that on the night of May 5th, 1988, he headed to Jenna's house and parked two blocks away from the house. As he walked to Jenna's house, McDaniels appeared and asked where he was going. The defendant told McDaniels that he was going to Jenna's house and McDaniels told him that he was just walking around mcdaniels walked with the defendant to jenna's house according to the defendant they knocked on the door and jenna let them both inside inside they sat on the couch and talked joe testified that when jenna got up to wash her hands he went in the bedroom and called her into the bedroom he told the jury that they started with foreplay which led to sex they had sex for about 15 20 minutes then joe said to mcdonalds to come in the bedroom door and asked defendant said that mcdaniels came in the door and asked i guess he thought he was going to get some too he said was it a party and jenna said no mcdaniels didn't left the bedroom door but came back and said fuck this shit defendant joe testified i had already came at the time and i was getting up and then he just ran in the bedroom and just started stabbing her pulling her Pulling on her, Joe testified that he pushed McDaniels, but McDaniels pulled out a knife and stabbed Jenna. According to Joe, McDaniels pointed a knife at him and threatened to kill him. Joe then ran away. He claimed that when he saw McDaniels later that morning, McDaniels still had the knife and told him that if he said anything, he was going to kill him. Joe testified that he did not say anything did not say anything to the police because he was afraid or maybe because he did the murder so joe testified that he met getch when he was sent to menard he wrote some questions for his attorney to ask certain witnesses but he felt that his handwriting and spelling were not good enough kind of like my reading of this (laughs) therefore he asked Getch to type the question oh my god that's great hughes i got a notification Therefore, he asked Getsch to type the question. I know that's unprofessional, but I'm recording on Anchor right now. And it's really, I don't think i you can record, but there's going to be a lot of editing. But yeah, defendant motions for them. He testified that Getsch told Joe that he could help him with his defense. And then he that he gave Getch a copy of his discovery. He admitted that he had handwriting. He admitted that he had handwritten the statement. they had offered into evidence and he had written them for Getch to help with his defense. According to Joe, after he had written the first statement, Getch told him he needed to add more detail in the statement. Joe testified that Getch told him to leave McDaniels out and put yourself there. And that he would show him how the police missed McDaniels. The defendant then testified that he, I know I keep going from Joe to the defendant. I'm going to try to fix that. He took every everything he knew about the case from the discovery and tried to rebuild the crime scene. Joe testifies as followed. I went to Robin Getch to write out these little questions that I had for him, and he told me that these questions was too wide open. I didn't know what he meant, you know, so I started listening to him. So he told me, he's like, okay, let's see your work. Okay, so I gave him my discovery. But then when I told my lawyer what had happened initially, I didn't have no discovery paper, you know, to go off of. So then Robert Getch told me, he's like, okay, leave McDaniels out and put yourself there. I'm like, oh, he's likes leave McDaniels out, put yourself there. I will show you how how the police missed it missed him it sounded okay to me and you know so you know in in and we see i don't know what that puts me in and in and in and in, and in, 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 we see if the dcsi the court tv practice everything they everything that they were they rebuild were a crime scene and actually this is his quote writing and actually, that's what I did right here. I told everything that I knew about the case, and I tried to rebuild the crime scene, so I knew exactly what to tell my lawyer after I wrote this. Like I said, I'm trying to piece this. Is the fourth letter, I believe. Like I said, I'm trying to piece every part of the paper together. I'm trying to take every sheet of paper. Oh no, it's just testimony. With it, I think it was like three thousand pieces of paper from five o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. I'm reading this paper. I'm reading every piece of these papers. So when he told me to take McDaniels out and put myself there, this is putting myself there. I have to make the crimes fit so he can believe me. So he can try to tell me, okay, look, Joe, this is why the police miss McDaniels and that. So they're trying to say, put yourself in there say you were there but the police screwed up and didn't see mcdaniel's so joe denied looking at jenna's window and denied kicking in her kitchen door he got these details from his discovery papers he denied putting a pillow on her face slapping her taking her to the bedroom he added all the details to the statement in effort to rebuild the crime scene during a cross-examining examination the state attorneys asked joe what purpose would you have for writing a confession to a murder to Robbie Getch? Joe responded as followed. Somebody probably would call this a confession to murder, but like I said, I had all of discovery, and I looked, took my time reading all of discovery, and I had already took my lawyer James Henson, what had told my lawyer what happened. So when I did get all, this is hard to read. So when I did get all of, the of my discovery i didn't want somebody saying okay joe you got your discovery now you know what happened this is why i told Hanson what happened before i had any type papers my initial purpose with robert getch was to type out the questions that i had and then it went on into what i wanted him to show me what he said that he can show me so i can take so he could take back to his lawyer so Joe admitted that Getsch told him that he was going to help him. He was going to ha- tell, tell, have to tell the truth. Kind of like that big boss man thing they had in Canada. I want to help you, but you got to tell me everything you know about the case. Don't tell me. You can't hide nothing. I mean, if you want me to be loyal to you, you got to be loyal to me. And this is, tell me. Be truthful, honest with me. And that's what this guy was doing. So at the conclusion of the trial, the jury found Joe guilty. As charged of first degree murder and found that the murder had been accompanied by extremely brutal and heinous behavior, addictive of wanted cruelty. So, on June 28th, 2006, I think this is Illinois, so they don't have the death penalty. The trial court denied the defendant's petition post pretrial. Let me read that again. The trial court denied that the defendant chose post-trial motion and sentenced him to life in prison on june 30 2006 he filed a motion for a new trial to newly discovered evidence the motion follows but i'm not going either way it all failed while meeting with the co-counsel in this case happened to find important documents that he had previously asked undersigned counsel and private investigators they're saying about being paid that he was not getting enough money like the prosecution was and so all he went through all his appeals and everything like that. And now he is, I mean, I could go over to his, he, he just all kinds of appeals that he tried. He tried for this, just scratching and clawing and a cave of shit and just keeps caving down on him. So that's where he's at. He is locked up life without parole. So, so there he is where he's going to be in prison rotten for the rest of his life. But if you do want to, pay respect to Janna. Don't pay respect to the other ass. So don't, don't even, if you want to write him, I guess, but I wouldn't, but if you want to pay respect to Janna Reynolds, she was listed on her final grave, January 15th, 1966, which was her birth in Mount Vernon. She was murdered May 6th, 1988 at the age of 22 in Mount Vernon. And if you want to visit her, pay your respects, leave some flowers at her gravesite. She is buried in Mount Vernon Memorial gardens in Winlawn. Woodlawn, illinois so there you go and thank you for listening hopefully it wasn't too brutal i'm using a new recording system. i don't think i'm care too much for i for what i do i don't think this is for me i, I guess if you set up and just have a conversation interview everything it anchor probably good for you but as for me where i have different segments and i like to edit some when i can this is not working out for me so hopefully but i'm going to go ahead and drop this episode But if you go to the Anchor app, you know, which I'll leave links to on my social media profiles, you can leave a message if you want, which I'm about to play. One time I did leave me a voicemail, and it was an unsolved murder that's still unsolved to this day. And the individual's niece sent me a message, and it was very touching. But yeah, without further ado, if you want to listen to voicemail, here it is.
1: Hi, Gary. This is Ariana Grassmeyer. I just listened to your podcast that you had made on my uncle, Nicholas Grassmeyer. I wanted to say thank you from my family to you for making this podcast. Um, We do not have any kind of answers on his case or anything as of now, but we do appreciate any time that there's any kind of promotion on his case, anyone who wants to talk about him. You know, we want his name to be common in this area. I want I want people to know that he was here, that he existed, and that he was loved. And he still is loved, even though he has been dead for a very long time now. My family, we just want answers to something that we don't feel like we ever will. His brother is getting older now, and you know we all have a family, and we miss him. We need him. So I want to say thank you for creating the podcast and that we do appreciate it.
0: Yeah, that was an episode that I dropped on September twenty third, two thousand and twenty two, and I had think I mentioned it was the the unsolved murder of Nicholas E. Grassmeyer, like she said, and it was one of the cases I saw that there was not much coverage on it, and I thought, why? It's an unsolved murder. Maybe it's because of white. I think I might have mentioned somebody because he's not a pretty white girl. He's just a boy. But I think we need to look at it because he had amazing football. If I remember right, he had played his, you know, a football game that day, I guess his rival, and had a good, good, and he was walking home from his girlfriend's house. And some of the opposing players might have seen him, was not bad, maybe decided they wanted to try to beat him up, and it just got too carried away. But anyhow, yeah, if I'm going to put the link to that too as well in my description. Go back and check it out if you. Would like to As a matter of fact i encourage you to so there you go like i said thank you ariana grassmeyer for the message if you could you could leave one too like i said leave a message like that or just call me an idiot or whatever you want to do i'll any kind of attention is better than um but there you go follow me on social media truck uh, facebook at truck on podcast group i'm trying to really get that grow. also this is also on youtube so, go to my YouTube channel, Trucks.Murder and True Crime. I'm trying to build it to a thousand so I can start going live on there at some of these murder scenes and Twitter. I'll leave all the information online. And I think I have something. I am currently right now waiting for a load. So, hopefully, that happens pretty soon. All right. Like I always say, you can't fix stupid, but you're sure remember with the two by four. I'm out of here.